All right, so I know it was Hall of Fame weekend. Obviously, football uh, having its day in Canton Saturday and Sunday. But to me, Mark, this was more of less about the Hall of Fame and more about the Hall of Flow because the hairdos on these busts this year was, <laughs> second to none. It was a good Absolutely. year for hairdo busts. I mean, Palomalu, Edgar and James. Alan Fanica Alan had a Fanica. great flow on there. Tom Flores had, had a nice with Jim- the beard and like the yes. like the fro, yeah. And uh, Jimmy Johnson, uh, his his bust looked good too. Like, yeah, and I, I think overall too, it was probably the most accurate busts that I can recall. I, I even tweet about this. Like in in recent memory, I've only been watching the actual presentations for probably a decade. Yeah, but that that was the best actual grouping of of bus well done to whoever actually makes those because that was uh they were all spot on oh yeah we'll and we'll talk more about the actual specifics of the ceremony later but i I, yes i will say i i agree with peyton manning Shame on Ray Lewis for ruining it for everyone else. And I know it was a long, because it was a two night thing, but yeah. it really was like, I, I, cause I remember, and as much as I, you know, love listening to these guys talk, I remember thinking during like a guy like Ray Lewis's like, Oh my Lord, please shut up already. Like this letting him preach and do his, and it's, but you know, and it's just such a shame. And because you could tell like a guy like Peyton Manning, he, he had he to said, rush through it. He, well, and he said to himself, I'm not going to stop for applause. Like, I want to get through this message. And he, and, yeah. he, and you could – it was such a good bleeping speech. And I completely echo Adam Schefter's comments that I think Peyton Manning should be the next commissioner of the NFL. That would be I, awesome. I mean, he – you the, the, that man's love for the game of football is like – like on any anything I've ever – it's just insane. It's infectious – He's an incredible speaker, such an intelligent guy, and uh, I tweeted it out, and we, we talked about during our quarterback ranking episode. I think he is currently the greatest quarterback in Canton, uh, you know, and so, uh, you know, it's uh, he's got about maybe six years to that title of claim, you know, who knows how long Brady, but uh, I thought, again, the banter with him and Brady, and uh, it was funny. I, overall, yeah, it was great, but I agree with you. Yeah. The bus looked good, and I kind of liked that they made Peyton Manning kind of with the scowl. People were kind of hating on that, but that's such a Peyton look. That's I mean, his intensity. That's the his guy look was too, always yeah. intense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, I thought the, uh, the same thing. That that's uh, an, a, a good representation of kind of how he approached the game. Is very stern and very, um, you know, methodical. And uh, that's that's just how he carried himself Agreed. on the field. So um, yeah, we'll we'll get into a lot more of that. This is our Hall of Fame edition of the Football Lounge for obvious reasons, and we're going to dedicate a good portion of the show. To talking about the Hall of Fame, uh, it's inductees from not only 2021, but also 2020, since last year they didn't get a proper uh, unveiling and presentation. So uh, we'll talk about those. We'll also give our thoughts on one player that uh, Mark thinks and that I think uh, deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, but currently are not. And, um, and we'll also talk uh, just about uh, some of the upcoming class as well, the first year eligible players. Uh, to be inducted into the 2022 Hall of yeah. Fame, which uh, which members of that group do we think will make it as well? So should be an exciting show, but we have uh, you know quite a bit to get to before we head to Canton uh, in terms of some NFL news that came out over the past. 
couple weeks. We touched on it last week of our uh, drafting of the U.S. President show. If you didn't get a, a listen to that, we had a blast. Thank you to Kevin Clark, Nate Byrne for joining us on that. It was a phenomenal show. Uh, if you're looking for an entertaining one, we drafted an entire football team of U.S. presidents, uh, so definitely go check that out. But we mentioned slightly about the Carson Wentz news yeah. uh, that he may be out for an extended period of time to start the season, potentially even a few months. Uh, we have Josh Allen getting a, a big-time contract, what that could mean for maybe some other quarterbacks in the league. Uh, also, we had that Cam Aker news you know, a couple weeks ago, so... Uh, a few developing things. Uh, obviously, Aaron Rodgers has been in camp. Justin Fields has thrown sidearm passes in training oh, camp. I've seen a lot the of videos. Stuff. Beautiful, right? It <laughs> is erotic. It is not. <laughs> it is not safe for work, my friends. Yes, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Don't want to get people too excited uh, when watching that one for sure. But Mark, we'll touch on. I guess the biggest uh, of all of that that seemed to come out uh, just recently too. So. We'll talk about Josh Allen here. Uh, this news uh, coming out August 6th, just a few days ago. Uh, here we are Monday, August 9th. So uh, on Friday, uh, it was announced that Allen and the Bills, <clears throat> excuse me, agreed to a six-year contract extension. Uh, the deal tops out at $258 million, 150 of it guaranteed. That's according to ESPN and Adam Schefter reporting that news. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, he has the 141 guaranteed, so this would be the most guarantees in a quarterback contract or a contract in general in NFL history. Obviously, he took a massive leap forward, Mark, last year, bringing the Bills to the playoffs, uh, the division, all of that stuff that the Bills have been waiting for for quite some time. Does did, did In your mind, did he deserve a six-year extension record-breaking one at that worth $258 million. I absolutely love this deal. For the city of Buffalo, for Josh Allen, I think it, it's a home – I think it's a home run, home run. Uh, because, you, ha, you again, you give him the length of the deal. So, like Mahomes' deal, you'll be able to move some of that money around to maneuver these cap hits the way they go. I think he is literally just beginning to enter his prime. He, you know, he just finished his third year in the league, playoffs the last two years, AFC championship game last year. He is, I think, overall, I think it's no question about it. We all will sit there and we could agree on pure just talent alone, maybe the only guy in the NFL who you could argue has a more talented arm than Patrick Mahomes, or you could say at least can go toe-to-toe talent-wise, possibly with the Patrick Mahomes. The other thing I would say that I thought I absolutely loved about this, and um, I, I want to br- put this to you, is I think this was so smart of the Bills to get it done before Lamar Jackson and the Ravens yeah. got their deal done. And, and I made absolutely. this point big time on my show on Saturday, and it's, it's gamesmanship between uh, competing franchises. When we look at the AFC playoff picture, not only this year, but let's just look at it. We can look at it small and then and larger. This year through the next, like, two years, through the next, like, two and a half, three years, you say to yourself that the three teams in the AFC that are really built for successful regular seasons, uh, good organizations that have a bright future, it's easy to sit there and say Baltimore, Buffalo, and Kansas City. They all have their quarterbacks. They got an MVP. You got a, an MVP. You got a Super Bowl MVP. You got uh, Josh Allen, all the talent in the world, uh, who's an MVP candidate. And you have three young guys 
all playing with good organizations that have good head coaches. They're in the right track, all in the same same footing, right? Mahomes' deal is obviously in, in still insane to think about. Half a billion dollars, 10 years. But again, team-friendly in the sense there's maneuverability towards it. What the Buffalo Bills just did to, did to the Ravens was so dirty. And it's so amazing. I just love the juiciness behind this. Because what Buffalo is basically saying is, you have to pay Lamar more than we pay Josh. Because Lamar has been to the playoffs the same amount of times as Josh. Now, he doesn't have as many playoff wins, but he's got the MVP. He's got that MVP under his belt. And so now Buffalo's in there saying, all right, Baltimore, you've got to spend more. Even if it's just a million dollars more, you've got to spend more, and you've got to make the commitment to him the way we did, or else you're going to have an unhappy MVP on your hands who's saying, well, hey, wait a minute, I did this, am I – Lamar Jackson's agent was smiling ear to ear when when Buffalo signed this deal. So now think about it. You have to start posing the question of saying, well, wait a minute. If we're Baltimore, are we ready to spend that much money on Lamar Jackson in guarantees, in length, which I think is a huge part of it? Six years for Josh Allen at 6'5", 250 pounds, rocking arm. Accuracy is improved each year. Mobility is a part of his game, but it's not his whole game. It is a dangerous weapon to his game. Uh, you have all these things to think about. Are you going to do that to Lamar Jackson? And you could very easily, if you're Buffalo and Kansas City in a way has done this as well, say, we're going we're gonna to bank on the fact that our guys are going to be there for the length of the contract. Will Lamar Jackson? So I think that's a brilliant part of this deal as well. Obviously, I think I think personally, Josh Allen is worth the money, worth the deal, and so I will turn it over to you in this. And I will let me get this last thing in, and I'll turn it over to you because I'm throwing a lot out there. But I pose this question: Which quarterbacks right now in the NFL would you give the Josh Allen deal to? Six years, 150 million guaranteed. And uh, 260 million almost in total contract. I think there's only three that I would feel comfortable signing that deal to: Patrick Mahomes one, Russell Wilson two, Josh Allen three. Those are the three guys. I would not feel 100% comfortable signing Lamar Jackson to that deal, signing Deshaun Watson to that deal, signing Justin Herbert to that deal. He'd be the next maybe closest. Signing Joe Burrow to that deal. Signing I wouldn't sign Aaron Rodgers. Wouldn't sign Tom Brady to that deal. The older guys. So, you to me, there's three guys I would feel absolutely comfortable signing the data line, win for both franchise and player. Josh Allen's one of them. Now you got Lamar, Baker, these other guys. What do they do? So I pose that question to you, and I say it's an absolute home run for Buffalo. Yeah, I agree uh, with those three quarterbacks. I can't think of another one that I would pay that amount of money to. Maybe Tom Brady, because that guy will play you know, <laughs> yeah, maybe. 12, 13 more years. Um all joking aside, though, no, that's probably it. After a year, maybe we'll talk about Trevor Lawrence and uh, Justin maybe Herbert. Justin Fields, or and Herbert especially. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's three, and I, I mean, I would flirt with the Lamar Jackson thing. You just you do want to see more in the passing game to warrant that much money. He's a spectacular player. There's no question about it. Uh, but that's that's one of those questions you have to weigh when talking about signing an unprecedented contract to a player, is he that much better uh, than his predecessors and his contemporaries? 
that would be the big question to pose there. But I agree with you. It puts the pressure on these other teams. In these types of situations, you want to be first. Uh, and, and that's, you know, team. some teams have failed in that regard. You can think maybe the Zeke Elliott deal or the Todd Gurley deal with the Rams where they wanted to get out in front of it and lock a guy up early, but injury and reliability, it's more of a positional issue than anything else. When you get a franchise quarterback and not just a franchise quarterback, but one that's top five in the league and likely will be for the next, you know, better part of a decade, then you invest in that individual and you build around them with a team like the bills who are phenomenal at drafting. They don't have to worry too much. Uh, because they can uh, make up the difference with uh, who they draft and who they develop in-house. Ravens, similar issue. Um, The Browns, on the other hand, obviously Baker isn't in the same category as Lamar or let alone Josh, but the Browns have done well drafting in the last couple years, but historically and even more recently over the past maybe decade or so, They've had struggles there too. So when you when you talk about a team, you know, like a Houston, for instance, and things like that, where they if they pay all of their money into one player, they're going to be strapped, and it's going to be extremely difficult to fill your team outside of getting free agents, and you got to pay big for free agents. So the Bills were in a great position to do this. I think it's a win win for both because the Bills got out in front of this. It's still they they still you know made him an extremely rich man and paid more money than. Uh, anyone else so in that regard the Bills still went out on a limb but the, you, you they can't kid yourself that they weren't thinking well you know we're going to save some money here if we just do this right now it's the same with Patrick Mahomes even the, the Chiefs knew probably in three years from now four years from now potentially half a billion dollar contracts are just going to be the norm for any great quarterback that comes around oh yeah so for them to be the first one to do it with Patrick Mahomes, maybe they're going to look at this contract in six years and say, wow, we actually made out pretty good. Well, so that's kind of the thing about it too. Yeah. The Josh Allen deal is not that much different from the Dak Prescott deal. And all of a sudden you're saying to yourself, would you rather be paying 40 for Dak or 43 a year for Josh Allen? Uh, Hands down. It's a no brainer. So the thing I want to go back to Lamar Jackson and and then I want to bring up Baker Mayfield as well. Cause I think they're the other two guys in that class, right? So Darnold was in that class. We see he has a chance now to earn himself probably never a contract like this, but if Darnold plays really, really well this year, and we both expect, I think, Darnold to have a really good year, he can stick around in the NFL and, and, you know, make some really good money or what turn his career around. Josh Rosen, obviously, is a bust. He's not, he's not an NFL player at this point in time. And then you have Baker and Lamar. So let me go back to Lamar. I, the only person I feel very comfortable comparing Lamar Jackson to is Cam Newton. I don't like – I don't even like the – I honestly don't even like the Michael Vick comparisons because I just think that it is a different NFL. At least Cam played in an NFL that's more similar to what Lamar is playing in. You know, I mean, Cam was drafted well, – and, and Vick had a rocket arm. That yes. guy could throw 85 yards on a dime. I'm not sure Lamar can do that. Well, they, but, you know, they. I just think it's a little different, and I don't like going back to the Michael Vick era, the way the NFL was run, and, and you know, uh, you just see more mobile guys down, and I just think the Cam is a better comparison for projecting, right? So yeah. you got to remember, Cam Newton in his career, if we're comparing Lamar and Cam, 
By the end of his third year, you would say, all right, if you'd sign Cam Newton to what you're going to sign Lamar Jackson to, six-year deal, in the last two years of that deal, then you're getting a Cam Newton that was not good in his last two years in Carolina. You know, six in, uh, a total of 6-10, and 10, only starting then 16 games in two years for Carolina. Injuries had run their course, uh, and he had thrown only 24 touchdowns to 14 interceptions in those last 16 games. The rushing numbers were down as well, and this was a guy that was beat up. And what we think of Cam Newton now is, well, Cam Newton now is not really a legitimate starter quarterback for your franchise, like building around. He can come in. I think he'll start for New England. I think we'll see how that goes. But I think Cam at this point in time in his career is, if he's playing, he is helping develop a young guy and or being a spot starter and or anything like that in his career. Now, I'm comfortable if I'm Baltimore saying, we will give Lamar Jackson 45, or honestly, I would even go higher like 46, 47, close to $50 million a year, but I want it in a three-year deal. I'll give Lamar Jackson $150 million guaranteed for the next three years. I would. I would sign him to that deal, $150 million guaranteed, three years, $150 million. And let's address where we are in there because Lamar Jackson, I know in the next three years, if I can project it the way that Carolina did with Cam Newton – you're talking about possibility of Super Bowl runs, MVP-level numbers, and I guarantee a guy in his early prime, early health, I get him locked up. And and, and, and Lamar Jackson still, what regardless of playoff success, Lamar Jackson is, you know, Russell Westbrook. He is, I'm going to give you your numbers in the regular season. No one wants to deal with me in the regular season, and uh, I'm going to get you to the playoffs and give us put us in a position to win. So... You know, if I'm the Ravens, though, I don't know if his if his agent's going to bite on that. I don't know how you negotiate that. So I think that's really interesting to look at. And then on the Baker, well, May- hold on, let me let me let me address that real quick. Yeah. So, um, there's a couple issues I have with that. All right, the first one being the Cam Newton thing. I understand the comparison, but Cam was a guy that literally wore. He's a large human that just wore down you know, like Derrick Henry in a quarterback's body. Um, er, And not only that, but he was a guy that actually sought out contact. Lamar is a guy that actually doesn't take big shots and he's a smaller frame individual. I I don't see him necessarily wearing down in the way he was more about speed and flash than power. Cam was the, the quarterback sneak God, the guy that will barrel you over into the end zone. And, and most of his injuries came from that type of physical play. I 100% agree with Um, that. I guess I should have clarified my comparison with the two of them is that their games are both so built. What makes them successful in the NFL as a quarterback is that the running part of their game is a a weapon. It is a a massive part of the game. Different styles, agreed. But if all of a sudden Lamar Jackson has some sort of freak injury that diminishes his speed, and again – Neither of them, their passing games, that's the other thing I guess I should have clarified as well. Neither of them, their passing games are refined. So one, when Cam then struggles, because remember, it's not necessarily that Cam's legs went on him. It was his shoulder from taking hits. Lamar Jackson, if he injures that shoulder, that throwing shoulder, already a guy doesn't, it hasn't built his game on throwing mechanics. Like Cam never built his game on throwing mechanics. And now you deal with shoulder injuries plus being dinged up and nicks on the legs. 
That's the concern. I, I'm just saying, like, we've yeah. seen why I compare Cam as opposed to the Michael Vick comparison is that when the running in, and your offenses are designed, because the, the Panthers designed an offense that was successful around Cam running. The Baltimore Ravens have built an offense that was successful around Lamar Jackson running. Michael Vick, he ran. It was never like, oh, no, we're going to run these triple option plays. We're going to run wishbone plays like you saw in Carolina. So that's why I, I should have clarified that more, the comparison, because you're sure. absolutely right, different styles. But that's, yeah. again, my I guess the bigger thing for me when I use that comparison is look at what happened if you would have gave Cam that six-year deal. The last two years of that deal – the Carolina would have been in cap hell, and, it, and, he, and he's a shot fighter. So yeah. can you learn from that with Lamar Jackson and say, I will give you more guarantees, bigger money, but I only want you for three years, and will his agent bite on that or not, and what will Lamar think That's of that? the big question. Like I, I, in theory, agree with that approach. The question is, is it actually can that actually work? Because will Lamar be offended by not being – uh, being getting that loyalty from the team in, in terms of long-term security. Uh, will he take that as a slight? Will the agent say, well, Lamar, you can go out there and get a six-year $250 uh, million, you know, or, or you know, $300 million deal. Then, then they walk, and now you're Baltimore like, shoot, you know, maybe we needed to rethink this. I, I agree, though. With someone something like that, I don't think you can lose by doing like a, a shorter term deal yeah. with a lot of guarantees and just seeing where it goes from there, where it develops. Um, but that's the thing; he has that negotiating power with that MVP. If he didn't have that MVP, there'd be a little bit less. But it's like, hey, I was a 23 year old and I won the MVP of the league. Um, you know, I'm I'm still very much approaching my prime. There, I've got plenty of years left he could easily make that argument too. It is fascinating then because to me, this is all set up by Buffalo. If if Baltimore got the deal done early and they had just given this deal to uh, Lamar Jackson or if even saved a little bit of money on this deal and gone less, gone $140 million guaranteed, uh, five years, $200 million, whatever it may be, then then that would have forced, they would have forced Buffalo's hand to say, are you going to go over or under? And they would have put the – but Buffalo decided to put the pressure on Baltimore. And is a, and is this a fan of the NFL? And, and two competing teams rival, like, uh, you know, top of the food pyramid in the AFC with the Chiefs. You love seeing rivals do that to each other. So I want to talk Baker Mayfield then. So he's the other one we have to address in this scenario. If that's the number that Josh Allen is get, given, and we have to assume that Lamar is going to want – a little bit more, and I think he will end up getting it. And I'm not saying that Baltimore's stupid for doing that. I All I'm trying to say is from my perspective, um, I think they will sign him to a six-year deal. I think there will be more money than Josh Allen's in a lot of different ways. And I think uh, in the end, I would probably still do it as a general manager if I'm in Baltimore's spot because the dude is generationally talented. And again, he gets you to the playoffs because he's just so hard to stop himself. Now, whether that translates to yeah. Super Bowls, again, I don't know. Peyton Manning only won one Super Bowl in his prime. So, again, how hard am I going to be on a Lamar Jackson if he doesn't win multiple Super Bowls in his prime? What you It's hard to win. What you want to do in the NFL is find a guy, lock up a guy, because see what happened to the Bears. They thought they had a guy. They didn't find a guy. Then they had, then they got luck, they lucked into a hopefully another guy. It's, it's, it's a nightmare when you don't have your guy. So then let's go to Baker yeah. Mayfield. So, Dan, I posed to you this. 
Where, what would you be willing, if you're Baker Mayfield, where are your, what are your demands? What are you saying? Listen, you've led Cleveland, the worst franchise in the NFL of the, in this century, to now two straight playoff appearances. Or no, one straight, one playoff appearance. You won a game, but two straight winning seasons. No other quarterback's done that. You have, you want maybe stability, but if you're Baker, what are you, where's your number at? What do you have to be at with Josh Allen? Because I have something in mind, but I'll, I'll post it to you first because I post first with the Lamar Jackson. What, what do you think? I don't know how much, you know, actual leverage he would have in, in a situation like this because, frankly, yes, you got the team to the playoffs, but everyone and their mother knows that it was about the efficiency of the offense with Kevin Stefanski because we actually have a sample size of what the years prior with the same personnel was. Um and now you're talking about, you know, the league's probably best offensive line behind the best run game with the uh, best one-two punch in the backfield. That is what runs this through this team. And yeah. we just saw Nick Chubb get himself an extension with a lot of guaranteed money. It's this, this team is dedicated to running the football and Baker executes this game plan extremely well. He's perfectly suited for what they're trying to do. Uh, the problem is, is he unique in the in this way? Is he one of the few that can do what he does? I just don't think that's the case. But I honestly, I thought the same thing with Dak Prescott, and I, I consider them to be relatively similar. Uh, Dak's a little bit more mobile, but, I mean, overall, they strike me as similar I players. I agree, I you agree. Know, and D- Dak, in terms of leadership, yes, you could say that he's a he seems to be um, much more polished in that aspect of the game. But for him to yield the contract he got, a lot of people were a little bit surprised by that, um, g- given, you know, what have you proven so far? And Dak had won a division. He had gotten to the playoffs, but the numbers weren't there and the production didn't seem to be there. I feel like Baker's in a similar boat. I, I think this year will actually tell us a lot. Are they going to actually make a run at the North? And are they going to get the playoffs again and get another playoff win? If they can actually stack success, then maybe you don't rock the boat too much, but he's not going to get a deal the size of these. You know, if he gets a DAC deal, that is best-case scenario for Baker Mayfield. So if you're the GM of the Browns, I ask you this. Are you having talks with Baker's agent right now to try and lock him up, or are you literally saying, I want we're, – we're playing it through this year. We're not even talking contracts. I don't want to talk contracts. I want to see this guy – continue to grow in our remember it's a GM that didn't pick him it's a head coach that didn't pick him it's a it's a completely different front office so where where are your thoughts because I have strong thoughts on what what I would be doing yeah I mean I wish I knew more about how Stefanski and the staff feel about Baker that would really help direct my opinion here so I'm obviously going into this without much knowledge in that area I would look to try and lock him up on a deal that's a team-friendly deal. Um, you know, a four-year deal worth, you know, I don't know, maybe 60 guaranteed. And, you know, maybe it's a $115 million deal, 120 for, you know, four years, something around those. I, it's it's low ball, and I, I don't think he would, you know, be happy about it considering what quarterbacks are making. But, I mean, I'm not going to pay $40 million a year for – Baker, you know, I would consider, you know, high 20s, very low 30s at the most on a short term, 
three, four year deal um, and, and just say, you know, you prove it. And then you if you if you're good enough, you shouldn't have to worry about it because you'll you'll get another big contract then after that, whether or not it's with us or someone else. But it's hard when you have the core you have with the Browns that are, you know, basically in win now mode. What's that team going to look like like in four to five years? I don't know. So it's it's that balance between do you want to rock the boat too much? Do you want to try and get an Aaron Rodgers next year and have him lead? The, that would instantly probably be the favorites to go to the Super Bowl, given that roster. Um, those are what the questions I would be raising. But I would be working towards a short term extension as it stands right now, because so far they just have him uh, picked up his fifth year option and that's where they stand. But I don't even think they did pick up. Oh, his no, fifth they year. didn't. I'm sorry. So no, they did not. Yep. I so I agree with you. I, it's funny. I, I'm glad you went first here because I almost agree with you 100%. If I was the GM, I would not be having talks about extensions right now. I would say, listen, I'd be honest with this agent. We really love Baker. We 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 love what he's done so far. We think he fits the city really really well. But let's just be honest. Let's call a spade a spade. I didn't draft him. This head coach didn't draft him. It was a previous administration, and we we just aren't 100 percent sold on where we need the direction of this franchise to go. And some of the guys that we've brought in and things, we got to pay those guys first. There are guys. And so you can work something with us. We, you know, maybe we'll do it. I, I, if, if the Browns offered something like you said, four years, 60, 70 million guaranteed, 110, 120 million total, maybe you do it, you know, four years with an option, you know, to get out after three or whatever. If I was Baker, I'd sign it. I really would because. If I'm Baker Mayfield, he's made a ton of money on commercials. He is extremely marketable. The best thing for Baker Mayfield is having a starting NFL job. That is – he makes more money just being Baker Mayfield and selling the shirts, the merchandise, the commercials. The, the, the riskiest thing for Baker Mayfield is losing that starting job. Like, and I'm serious. It's a lot like almost how I feel like with Ben Simmons right now. Like, in the NBA, yeah. like – the yeah. worst thing that happened to you because look how quickly really talented guys and big name guys like all of a sudden now Andre Drummond is the backup for uh, for Joel Embiid in 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 Philly like signing a veteran minimum guys like Baker like that's what's going to happen I mean you saw with Mitchell Trubisky you're, you're seeing it quicker and quicker in the NFL with quarterbacks because how talented these guys are coming out now I also on the flip side say to myself well if I'm an NFL GM. I want Lamar Jackson. I want Josh Allen uh, over the, the the gamble, the risk that is a Justin Fields, a Trey Lance, a Zach Wilson. Now, if I can guarantee get myself Trevor Lawrence, well, then, yeah, I'm not going to sign. I'm not going to sign my guy. I'm, I'm going to wait. Yeah. But if I'm in one of these franchises, uh, in a lot of ways like the Bears were, they were just like, listen, we, we, we're not signing you, Mitch. Like, we just can't do it. We haven't seen enough. We just can't do it. We're going to risk it and say, who knows what will happen. But, like, I, you know, comparatively, if I'm Buffalo, if I'm if I'm Kansas City, if I'm, you know, if, if Baltimore, I want those guys because you, you have to be rare to be better than a Lamar Jackson, a Josh Allen, a Patrick Mahomes in the draft and be better for my franchise. Baker Mayfield, I don't – I think you can get – if I'm the Browns right now and you tell me I could have next year – a chance at a Trey Lance type prospect, a Justin Fields type prospect, a Trevor Lawrence type prospect, or Baker Mayfield, but you've locked him up. Ooh, I don't know. Like it, it's just one of those weird situations. So 
all of this stems. I know these are a lot of what ifs we're talking about. We always and we try to stay away from what ifs here, but all of this stems from the fact that Josh Allen got that deal, and that deal I think is just so good for him, so good for Buffalo, and it makes so much sense for both sides moving forward. And we as fans can justify it because we all sit there and go, yeah, I'd much rather have Josh Allen than Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, uh, Dak Prescott. I'd rather have Josh Allen right now than Joe Burrow. I'd have him right now than Justin Herbert because I've seen more physically, all those things. I'd rather have him than Trevor Lawrence. So, you know, you, in the AFC especially, there's only one other guy I'd rather have than Josh Allen, and that's Patrick Mahomes. You're not getting him, so why not lock him up? And, and do it in a deal that's going to be good for your franchise because it's longer years. You can move the cap. And so it leads then all these other questions for all these other guys. Yeah, it's, it's a fascinating uh, ripple effect that the NFL has when it comes to especially the quarterback position and uh, contracts. So I, I agree a lot. I mean, the Bills uh, did the right move here. And uh, look, look, six years, it's a long time. I mean, I know everyone wants to talk about 10 years deals with Patrick Mahomes but you know how quickly we forget how much of an anomaly that was in and of itself a six-year extension for a a young quarterback he's going to be over 30 Um, so Josh Allen is well equipped to lead this franchise and and make them very good for quite some time this is the Bills division uh, for the next uh, you know several years uh, unless Miami really kicks it into gear and we'll see how Zach Wilson and Robert Sella in New York do, but it seems that they may be a couple years from really competing in that division. The Patriots are the Patriots now, so the Bills are, are definitely set up for success, especially now after they lock up Josh Allen. All right, Mark, I want to move on to some other news here. We talked about uh, Carson Wentz briefly at the beginning, and I'll get your thoughts in a moment, but I want to move this to some more recent news with the Michael Thomas situation yeah. because this is starting to get really strange. And there are lots of elements to this. So most recently, it was reported that Thomas uh, underwent uh, surgery and to, to repair his ankle, which he obviously injured last year. It was apparently kind of a nagging thing from the year before. Uh, they, the team had supposedly recommended he get surgical, uh, a surgical procedure done right you know, right, right after, after the, the injury became game. apparent. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So um, apparently he didn't heed those um, concerns or those uh, suggestions and underst- uh, and instead uh, waited till June. So now we're at a situation here where with this type of surgery, people are estimating between, you know, one and three months uh, for this thing to fully heal, which could put him out well into October uh, if not even November, uh, for uh, the New Orleans Saints, who are already in a transition period with Drew Brees retired. But not just that, because also it was reported that Michael Thomas ignored calls from the organization basically at the entire offseason, including the team trainer, wide receivers coach, and even head coach Sean Payton. Uh, this is per Jeff Duncan of NOLA.com, who reports uh, on the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Peyton even voiced displeasure here. This is from an article in CBS saying, it appears we're going to have to spend some time without him. It's disappointing. We would have liked to have happened earlier. And quite honestly, it should have. I'm going to leave it at that. So, Mark, clearly there's some strife here in New Orleans. 
And it did, you know, he had that thing with punching a teammate last year as well. So there, there really seems to be a lot of uh, strife here between Michael Thomas and the organization. What are your thoughts on this uh, entire situation for the team, for Michael Thomas, and kind of where we stand with this whole thing? I mean, I'm on record uh, two years ago when they signed him to the highest paid wide receiver deal of all time. I think $100 million for Michael Thomas. I thought it was a bad idea. And he's a very, very good receiver, an elite receiver especially for that offense what they did with Drew Brees specifically and I don't I never blame the Saints for saying to themselves while we have Drew Brees we have to go all in right like they're so it's they were stuck between a rock and a hard place I'm critical of the fact that they're paying him that much money but also being honest like saying I get it you got to go all in it's kind of like what we're saying with the Packers right now while why aren't they while you have the guy going all in and going into the luxury tax. Remember the saints are even worse in the luxury tax than like the Rams. They're like, they're right up there. I think now it's the Rams, but like last year, even it was the saints over the Rams and everyone jokes about the Rams just overspending. The saints have overspent because they win for it with drew Brees. And again, don't blame this as an organization, but for them to then commit to Michael Thomas like that, and for Michael Thomas, remember, he got injured. It was like week one last year, and the Saints went without him like all year. They kept saying, like, well, we just yep. want him to be healthy for the playoff run, the playoff run, because this is Drew Beasley's last year. And he really was a non-factor all year. And it looks like may not be 100% ready to go in, in game shape, being able to help this team in a very crucial year for them to try and figure out what they have in Jameis Winston, what they have in their extremely expensive Taysom Hill, and uh, and see if he's going to be part of their future. And it seems like he's just kind of gone AWOL. Money got the best of him. It's kind of almost like an Antonio Brown type in a different way where you're, you're getting a lot of character reports and a guy that all of a sudden just not seemingly care in an interest level in the organization. It's a mess. If I was the Saints, obviously you, you can't do anything about it. Like, I don't think they could trade him. You got to see what your, his trade value is at all time low right now, and especially with the injury, like maybe in a year from if in a year from now, especially if he comes back, and even if he puts up numbers, you would maybe hope like if you're the Saints to be able to try and move on from him as an organization. But this is a buyer beware. This is a story to me that every other NFL team should watch and say, listen, if we're gonna go for it and we're gonna give you know a, go into this all in go for it mode. We got to make sure the guys we're paying are the right character guys, even in the go for it mode. Because I think teams would argue we're okay spending a little bit more for a slightly less talented player that we know, though, is 100% committed. A Calvin Johnson, you heard in his speech in the Hall of yeah. Fame last night, playing with the bad back his whole career and saying, heck, I'd rather spend for that guy, though, who you know is all in and is going to fight to be on the field. Versus maybe just the guys more talented that fit your system. It, it's a nasty situation, and and you know what? I've never been a big Michael Thomas guy, and 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 it's it, it just always seemed like it was system over talent. Obviously, very talented, but Drew Brees leaves town, and I have a feeling if Drew Brees was there and he was going to be healthy, maybe Michael Thomas would have done something differently because he tried. I give him the credit for trying to play through it and rehab and get back out there for Drew in his final year, but. Uh, it seems as though a lot of the culture left and the leadership left when Drew Brees did, and now the Saints are scrambling a bit. I think you hit the nail on the head with how it affects, you know, the team as a whole with this transition period of Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. 
you really could use a true number one, one of the best in the league receivers during that time. And now it appears that, you know, he may be out beyond just the injury situation. Who knows if there's a contract dispute in there as well. And we don't know. I mean, Michael Thomas has kind of been somewhat tight-lipped on this. I know he's kind of, um, you know, I guess pushing back against some of these narratives here. So we'll wait till we get the full picture to truly understand what the situation is. But the optics are not good. And we know about the fight last year. And, um, you know, there's there's no reason to doubt at least the fact that, you know, he, he did have surgery now, and the Saints say they suggested it way, way earlier. I have a hard time believing that was a lie. So uh, that that is an interesting situation we're put in. And um, a similar situation, although certainly not with the, uh, the strife with the organization, but Carson Wentz, we touched yeah. on it last week briefly. So he had, I, I guess a, a report came out too that I didn't see this initially, but that this foot injury of Wentz, is potentially an injury that dates back to high school. Yes, I've and seen those so, reports as well. Yeah. So this is apparently something that's been an issue for quite some time, and by doing this surgery now that they've elect, that he's elected to do uh, just in the past week or so, that's uh, hopefully going to take care of a lot of things. Uh, but we'll see. Obviously, you never know until the recovery period time comes, which, by the way, is between 5 and 12 weeks. That's quite a you know, a, a span there. Yeah. Uh, I when, whenever these types of situations come up, especially if it's a foot injury for a quarterback, my guess is you'd probably want to exercise more caution and be more conservative. I would go all the way on the latter end of that. I don't think we see Wentz until at the very earliest, you know, third week of October. This is an interesting situation here for the Colts because we're, you know, this, that was a team that was fascinating to see coming into this year how they were going to compete. I mean, the division's uh, not extremely competitive outside of Tennessee, and it appeared, you know, if Wentz was able to get back to form with Frank Reich, that this was a team that could win the division. But if they don't have their guy for seven weeks, I don't see how the Colts, you know, are going to be able to make up the ground there. They have um, Eason as their – I wonder if he's related to Tony Eason, by the way. Jacob Eason? 85 Bears. I don't know if Jacob Eason has any relations. Um, You know – I, I, I got to be honest, Dan, I, I think it's one of those things where if you're a Colts fan, this is how I spin it to myself if I'm a Colts fan. You drafted Jacob Eason, uh, not this pa- not this past draft, so the 2020 draft in the second round. So, you mean he had a high – there was there was talks that some people thought he could have been a late first rounder uh, out of Washington. So, he's a guy with a, with a that had talent and, like, NFL arm. Maybe it was third round that they got him in. You could look it up. But, you know, like, enough to say – I would not, if I was the Colts, bring in Nick Foles or Phillip Rivers because the thing, the reason you made the Carson Wentz trade was not to win the Super Bowl this year. Obviously, the goal is always to win the Super Bowl. The reason you made the Carson Wentz trade was because, realistically, you only had a year to swallow his contract before it became really easy to move him next summer or cut him or get rid of him, especially because you traded for him. You're not the guys that signed him to that deal so when you inherit that contract, you have different relations on that. So if you're, if I'm a Colts fan, I say to myself this. This year was all about figuring out, is Carson Wentz salvageable? Is he our future quarterback anyways? And you have a, you have a playoff team. You have a team that's good enough around him, just like you have a team uh, that's good enough around a second-year quarterback and a rookie quarterback in Sam Ellinger to figure out if those guys are worth anything. 
So yeah. I would 100% yeah. start the season with Eason. I would say we have, if not the best, one of the top three best quarterback whisperer head coaches in the NFL with Frank Reich. I think we all agree with that. I don't think that's any sort of uh, stretch to say that. And you say, all right, well, best case scenario now, we're going to maybe get to see all three of these guys play. The rookie Ellinger, uh, the second-year guy Eason, and we'll eventually see Carson Wentz play. One of these three guys, can they be the next guy for our franchise that's been in limbo since Andrew Luck's surprise retirement? So that's the most important thing for the Colts this year anyways is to figure out if Wentz was the guy, and if Wentz was not the guy, was the guy you took high draft pick two years ago the guy, or maybe the guy you took a flyer on as a rookie this year in the sixth round, has he got anything at least to be like the, the future backup quarterback in your organization, whatever it may be anyway. So that's how I spin it. Now, also, I would say, though, just as us, as we're not Colts fans, but fans of football, it is disappointing as all heck to not have Carson Wentz healthy because, again, you're absolutely right. You nailed it with saying that it's not really competitive division besides Tennessee. Both of them were playoff teams last year. Tennessee got better with their weapons. I think they got worse with the coaching staff and losing Arthur Smith, who was the genius behind the Derrick Henry's past two seasons um, in Tennessee. So it's that given it's a given tape take there, uh, but I, I it's just a bummer because I want to see Wentz and I want to see Wentz with yeah. Reich in, in in Indy, but I I think it'd be an absolute nightmare to bring back Rivers to bring in Foles to to try and see if you can salvage staying above five hundred in the couple games that Wentz misses. I think the smart thing to do is see if your quarterback whisperer head coach can get anything out of your two young quarterbacks and hold steady until Wentz comes back, and then can Wentz show up and be the guy? Or Because, again, if the Colts don't make the playoffs, but Wentz is the guy, it's still a winning season. You know what I mean? The goal is to figure out who's the guy this year, Indy, not to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> that's what you got to – that's the goal. Yeah. You got to find your quarterback. Yep. No, I agree. I, you see what you got. And uh, if you're Frank Reich, you're confident that you can you know put a winning ball club out there with uh, one of these young guys, apparently fourth round pick actually was Jacob. God, Eason, was I that off too. That? I, I thought he was a third rounder. I was right. Uh, 122nd overall. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agreed. I just see what you got and uh, you move forward from there nothything you can do. He's dude's got an injury again, you know, and, and maybe this is, maybe this is better for the long, long-term run for Carson Wentz. Maybe a thing like this is something that kind of actually helps get you, you know, we don't know, and Being it could be an excuse, healthy. yeah. But hey, if if you're the healthier you are, the better. I mean, it's the same thing with Big Ben's shoulder. That had been a thing for years before. Yeah. It was just culminating and culminating until finally it became a problem where you have to get it, you know, surgically. Repaired. I will so. say this: the other thing, because again, if you're a Colts fan, and say you bring in Nick Foles, and, and say he goes, you know, three and three, and Carson comes back. And and Nick was good enough, but then you could make the maybe Carson then has an okay rest of the year. You then you have all these unanswered questions. Oh well, was Carson only bad because he felt the pressure? Of Nick Foles being back there, and we know the history in Philly. You don't want any outside factors. You have the perfect litmus test to figure out if Carson Wentz or any of the other quarterbacks on your roster is good. You have a quarterback head coach, a great quarterback head coach. You have a great roster. You have a win-now team. So the only thing that is then the factor is the different the, the quarterback carousel. 
So don't add in an element of Foles or Rivers that could you that could taint your perfect test to figure out if Wentz is the guy or not. Because those two names could taint Wentz. And I know, I've, I've, I've said it myself, if your quarterback's that mentally fragile, then he probably shouldn't be your quarterback anyways. But just, just I know it's tough because you want to win games, but just go with this and go with Eason, go with, go with Ellinger, and then get Wentz back as soon as you can, as healthy as you can, and make a run. I had a guy online try to tell me that uh, Foles is elite when healthy. He's an elite quarterback in the NFL. So and and if, yeah. and if Foles returns head scratcher elite, for sure. If Foles returns <laughs> to elite status, back with Frank Reich. Well, then I will agree with that guy. When Foles is healthy and with Frank Reich, he is an elite quarterback. When is because he Foles was in was elite for like three games. He was in he Jacksonville was elite for like healthy three games. and for three quarters and stunk and then broke his collarbone. And he was in Chicago healthy. He was, was healthy terrible. and he was terrible. And so, yeah, yeah like again. And, and he was in Philly healthy without Frank Reich and terrible. He had a, a span he with had one good Kelly year. that he was elite when he was healthy. And he had a span with Frank Reich when he was elite when he was healthy. Everywhere else, not elite and healthy. Correct. Um, all right. Well, it's a little bit later than we anticipated, but let's get into the Hall of Fame. Let's do it. Because it was a great weekend of that. Uh, just a, a, any quick thoughts on the Hall of Fame game? Did you did you get a chance to watch any of that or uh, well, the, the uh, you know the anything Dallas, with the Cowboys and Steelers? I I will say this again: Mason Rudolph is not an, a a backup quarterback option. If I'm I, I if I'm the Steelers, I don't know what I'm doing with Mason Rudolph anymore. Stop wasting time on Mason Rudolph. The guy you you clearly know his ceiling is can maybe win you one game of the four games your quarter, your starting quarterback misses, and that's not good enough. And he's annoying to watch play because you saw <laughs> – I mean, I'll agree he's not entertaining, he's, but he is 5-4 and four as a starter. There's something to be said I for, just think that Mason – winning some games. I, I'm done with NFL. Mason Rudolph, and I, and I think the Cowboys, if those are your backup situation to the Cowboys as well, good Lord, I hope Dak is healthy. It was terrible yeah, I mean, quarterback I, I thought play. Dwayne Haskins looked uh, pretty decent uh, in his debut – uh, with the Steelers, I would agree. Uh, I, would I personally think that for... he will end up uh, being the backup quarterback going into the season. But as it stands right now, it's Mason Rudolph. But Najee Harris was pretty. Uh, he, he was. I was excited to watch him. He was in the game way longer than I. Yeah, seven wanted carries to is too many game. carries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The guy, the guy had some nice runs in there. Can catch. Uh, he'll be spectacular, and they're going to have a much better run game this year, uh, for sure. But. Obviously, a weekend of, of Hall of Fame inductions. We had the 2020 class and the 2021 class, two separate days. You know, you mentioned the speech uh, situation. I was um, upset about that, too, because a couple of the people really seemed like they had to rush through their speeches because they were put on that time cap. Um, you know, those. it's just it, – it's not only unfortunate because we want to sit there and listen to the guys that we want to listen to. I'm willing to listen to the guys that aren't as – fun to listen to uh, because they deserve their moment to say what they want to say. Yeah. Like they should, it, it, it certainly becomes a point a, a la Ray Lewis where it's just, okay, now you're just this. We didn't book you for a motivational speaking tour, yeah. you know, hour long tickets. So you, you say your thing. Absolutely. And, and take the time to say what you want to say. Um, there should be some sort of time limit, but I think whatever the six or eight minutes is 
is too little. It's too constricting. Now, everyone and, um, went over for the most part, but you're right. You, you yeah. got the sense that everyone felt the pressure to keep it, keep it really, 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 really quick. All the NFL has to do is play the Ray Lewis bite for send everyone the link when they get inducted in the Hall of Fame, when they get announced they're going to be in the Hall of Fame. Send them all the links. Say, don't do this. this. Say, as long as you don't do this and try to keep it under 20 minutes, you're good. Because Ray Lewis is a joke, and that, I mean that was a joke, and it was embarrassing. I think it was embarrassing. How, do you for Ray actually Lewis. know how long it was? I, I, I don't look it up. I don't know it was how long well. Was. It, I'm going to look it up. It was well over 20 minutes, and it was one of those where it was like, you know, it was to me. It was oh a, my gosh! It's I mean, this one video is 35 minutes yeah. long, and it's 35. To me, it's embarrassing, <laughs> and I think most guys are not Ray Lewis. I mean, I think he is the exception, not the rule. But I do love what Peyton Manning said because I think Peyton Manning was a direct shot of saying, like, seriously, I, I don't get to talk for 15 minutes because Ray Lewis talked for 37. And that's yeah. one of those things where it's like it is a real bummer. And um, But I will say this. I thought I kudos to the NFL for – I'm still glad that the class of 2020 got their moment to hear Edron James speak. Some of those guys was really, really Oh, great. how great was his speech, by the oh, way? Oh, yeah. Edrin James, I started with man. gold gold, awesome. gold uh, teeth, you know, with the grills and end up with a gold and jacket. And I with the gold jacket. And the inmate thing, number, oh, what, yeah. 336 or whatever, when he looked inside no, the jacket. No, I mean, Classic. and that's the type of stuff Instant where you class. just, you, again, I agree with you. And you know what? It's just televised on the NFL Network. It's not like it's on ABC Prime Programming and it's the Oscars got to keep it going. I don't know why they're worried about the time limit. Anyone who buys a ticket to go to the event which I would love to. Yeah. I wanted to go when Erlacher got inducted. I really did. I didn't. I couldn't put it together when it happened. But any anyone who who goes there, they're there. They're fans of the game. They are diehards. They're, they're diehards. They're going to yeah. sit through it. And and the families and the friends, they all want their person to have their moment. Tell them to try and keep it under fifteen minutes and don't be Ray Lewis, and you're and you'll be fine. Um, but overall, yeah, I think it was another home run for the NFL. They do it so well, and I really sincerely believe. That Peyton Manning is, I hope there's something in the works. I know that Goodell's not old. He doesn't need to be forced out. But I think the NFL and the owners, I think they could be smart to look at by when Goodell's contract ends, I think when the CBA ends in 2030, there should be legitimate talks that Peyton Manning should be the face of the NFL. The leadership face of the NFL making decisions. Well, he absolutely should be the face. Now, commissioner, though, that's it's a tough sell just because it's is he a guy that has the financial background because there's a lot, there's a lot of of financial and money behind the scenes situations. I think he could put it together and and he could have advisors. It wouldn't be that hard. Get him in there now. Get him in there now and start grooming him. Right. Right. I can't also does, does he want to dedicate that much time? And because that's a that's a twenty four seven job yeah. for the most it's part. It's true. You know? I can't wait to watch him and Eli. We haven't talked about this yet either. Oh Monday yeah, I know thing. this is gonna be. There's great. no reason. I love Lewis Riddick, and I thought he was great last year. And Steve Levy, I Booger, you know, or what's his name is. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> either way, I will say this: there's no one's gonna be watching that. If you're not watching the Eli and Peyton version of the broadcast, where they're gonna be having guests on basically doing like a live stream, just watching it as you watch it, then you don't. Yeah, they're sitting on a couch, yeah, you know, that's just hanging gonna be, out. That's going to be football, you know, porn. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait for it. Um, yeah, th- that's going to be phenomenal. But I mean, he's just like, like you say, he's a great spokesperson. Yeah. 
um, and, and an entertaining individual and really thoughtful, too. I thought his speech was really well done. And at the end, talking about how the entire league needs, and, and especially the Hall of Fame members, need to embrace the growth of the league and any and the direction it's going. Like yeah. how, how we need to keep this moving and, and stop pushing back uh, on things all the time. Really embrace the young stars and embrace where the league's headed. I, I thought it was a good message overall. Shout out to Calvin Johnson. I thought his speech was great. I yep. thought I, I loved, you know, listen, it's obvious that him and the Lions as an organization are just not on good terms. They didn't leave on good terms, and shame on the Lions. I, it's a lot like the Cubs with Sammy Sosa. I, I do not blame Sammy Sosa at all. I do not blame Calvin Johnson at all. He has a right to do what he did in the moment, and I do think it's almost sad that Calvin had to start his speech by basically saying, the reason like the reason I cut my career short was because I had to deal with this, this, and this. We, we all should know that and just accept that and not have to have to hear it from him. But I do think it was maybe it was like um, cathartic for him to say it out loud and to get to to get to vocalize the pain he went through in his career, uh, the way he battled through his career, and what he's done with medical marijuana and all that stuff with his company Post and working as he mentioned with the Harvard doctors and uh, it's just great to see a guy like that have a, a renaissance of his career because he's so young. He's he, he's yeah, he it's was, unbelievable. He's one of only what? What they say like one of five that that have been inducted at thirty five or younger. Yes, I mean it is insane. Incredible. It's incredible. Uh, you know, and, uh, and and we're talking about like guys like Jim Brown and stuff. Yeah, and Barry Sanders. Those are the people we're talking about. Like good company to be in. Yeah, for sure. no, but I and, but you could tell like you know there's just it's just such good football. I mean it like it's such good football entertainment. If you love football like we do, Hall of Fame weekend is 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 to me. Besides the draft, maybe the second best thing in the posts in the in the non football calendar of season stuff that there is. I mean, I, yeah. I just think it's it's uh, legends, it's great speeches. You get to see guys like that video that ESPN posted today of like Staubach talking with Tom Brady and Staubach talking about like, dude, how are you keeping your body going? What you did, like it, that's the stuff you just you eat it up as a football fan. So I loved it. Great job and. Uh, Kudos to the NFL, but we got um, what we got. We, we, you want to talk uh, who we think should be in the Hall of Fame first, or you want to talk next year's class first? Uh, let's go to next year's class. First. All right, I love it. Um, so this these are the the um, eligibles the for first year. Yeah, so first ballot options here: uh, Anquan Bolden, Chad Greenway, Greenway, Andre Johnson, Mario Williams, Tony Romo, Robert Mathis. Steve Smith, DeMarcus Ware, Vince Wilfork, and Devin Hester. That's that's the list we have from the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'm not sure if I'm missing anyone. I don't think we are. Um, but those are those are the candidates for the uh, the first year eligibles. And um, see, that's that's what confuses me though, Mark, because 27 to okay, actually that that wouldn't make sense. But how is that, that's why I'm wondering about Devin Hester because uh, everyone else here uh, left in 2016 on this list. So is Hester- Devin Hester retired in 2017, but people, but I've seen him listed uh, around talking about him being a first year eligible. So I don't, I don't know what, because the actual Hall of Fame list doesn't include Devin Hester, but Devin Hester has been included on several other lists that I've seen. Um, so that might be something to. To look into, I'm not sure what the 
if there was some sort of Devin Hester's you know, eligible it, it, for the it, Hall it, of Fame in 2022. That yeah, they just I, I just see this from NBC and from NBC Sports. I it's one of those weird things. Maybe it's just a uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I let's just say Devin's in for now. Like, let's, sure. let's, yeah, we'll, we'll include him, in this, him in this list anyways. Um, are there are there any like locks that you see within first this group that locks. you're like they have to be in there? First yeah. ballot lock. So, um, I think that Demarcus Ware has a chance. 138 sacks, um, an incredibly long and productive career. More sacks than John Randall. More sacks than Richard Dent. Uh, you know, more sacks than Derek Thomas. He which, has, by the way, Richard Dent is still not in the Hall, which is no Richard Dent's in the Hall of Fame. It, he is. Oh, I thought yeah, he was no, not Dent, in the Hall. No, of Fame. Dent's a Hall of Famer. Oh. He got a couple years ago. Uh, Dent is. It's it's okay. another okay. person who's not. Did I? I'm going to be mentioning here uh, in a little <laughs> okay. bit. Dent is a Hall of Famer. Uh, he's got he's got two other big names of the pass rusher world that are up for um, Hall of Fame. One this year, Robert Mathis. The other, Dwight Freeney, will be next year. Those two great Colts back. You know. The Colts DNs for all those years with Peyton Manning. I think eventually Freeney and Mathis should both be Hall of Famers. But, I mean, DeMarcus Ware has 16 more sacks than either of those guys. And I just think DeMarcus Ware has more of the body, the physicality, the play when he was dominant for where he was, his peak dominance, that would be more of a first ballot guy. Now, as far as the receivers go, um, Andre it's jo- Steve Smith is a lock in my mind. Like it's Steve Smith. I and Andre Johnson to me are, are the two that I would consider first ballot for those guys. Anquan Bolden to me is not a first ballot guy. He's 14th all time. Uh, he's ahead of Torrey Holt, who I think had more impact on the game and Torrey Holt's still not in. Um, yeah. Isaac Bruce finally got in, which is great. And he deservedly to be in. I think that I, I think to me, Steve Smith and Reggie Wayne and uh, Reggie Wayne's not in. I think Steve Smith, Reggie Wayne, Andre Johnson, and Quan Bolden all have very fairly equal cases. I don't know if I would put any of them first ballot guys. Like I would, I would be happy to look that and say, if there's one guy who's a first ballot next year, I think you maybe go Demarcus Ware, and then maybe next year's the year you get Reggie Wayne in. Put Reggie Wayne and make Steve Smith wait a year. Make Andre Johnson wait a year. Reggie Wayne's waited years. Maybe it's Torrey Holt and Reggie Wayne's time next year. You know what I mean? And let let a Steve Smith and a and a and a Reggie and a Andre Johnson wait a couple years. I get it. Steve Smith's eighth all time. He for he battled because of his size for what he was able to accomplish with fourteen thousand seven hundred receiving yards more than Marvin Harrison, who's a comparable small guy. Um, maybe I'm being not. Maybe I'm not giving enough credit to Steve Smith. Maybe he deserves to be a first ballot. I wouldn't be mad if he was, but I, I'm of the philosophy of going first ballot should mean a little bit more. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, yeah. And so – I mean, I thought Reggie Wayne should have been a first ballot I tend um, to ag- guy, I tend but... to agree. When he retired, he was ninth all-time in receiving yards. Um, but th- th- to me, that doesn't matter as much. I think they all belong in, so, you know, just get them in, I guess, eventually. But I do think – First ballot should mean more. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I struggle with Tony Romo because, no, you know, I don't think Tony Romo is a, you know, a surefire Hall of Famer even, you know, beyond. He's not a first ballot. There, there's no, no question no, about no. that. I don't think he's but a Hall But I'm of more famer. so struggling. Is he a Hall of Famer? I don't, I don't think he is. No. 
Uh, he Hall of Hall of very good. Hall shirt. of very good um, for sure. He is kind of in that Philip Rivers realm to me, even though Philip Rivers has, you know, in terms of numbers, Philip Rivers has, you know, has him beat. Tony that Romo is in terms of overall player. I think they're very similar. No, Tony Romo um, to me is is Jay Cutler. Their numbers are about the same. Their careers lasted about the same length, and their playoff success was about the same. I mean, people like Tony okay. Romo more now because of what Tony Romo does, and I think Tony Romo could eventually go in as a contributor to the game as a broadcaster because I think Tony Romo's going to have a long – I'm a very – I love Tony Romo on the mic. I think Tony yeah, Romo – Yeah, no, he's great. I think yeah. Tony Romo could be CBS's guy for 30 years and get – and have a – you know, have an incredible career that way. But I don't think Tony Romo belongs in the Hall of Fame as a player. Yeah, you know, I'm – I in terms of the rest of this list, no one jumps out at me. You know, Vince Wilfork, really good player – Maybe eventually he gets in. He obviously lasted a long time and was a big, uh, you know, presence on the Patriots defensive line, most notably for, uh, you know, a decade. But DeMarcus Ware, the way he wreaked havoc, especially early in his career, he's up there. Steve Smith, I think, really jumps out on this list to me and Andre Johnson. You know, those would be the three that I would I would say I wouldn't have a problem seeing get in. All three of them are not going to get in, um, but you know those are the three that I think had the biggest impact and are the most mean, Hall of Fame people. You mean first ballot wise? <laughs> correct, correct. Yeah, I'm, yeah. No, they'll they'll all get in. I think eventually. I mean, Mario Williams. I don't know. If no, get I in. don't think Mario Williams belongs um, in the Hall of Fame. A, a Chad Greenway was really good for a long time, but I don't know if he's. I don't know if I would say Hall of Famer. Um, Andre will get in. Robert Mathis eventually will get in, but he he will probably have to wait a while. Him and Freeney should uh, just go in together. Freeney's yeah, available cool. next year. Let Mathis wait a year. Let Freeney wait a year and put in two years, in three years from now, put Freeney and Mathis in together. I could see I that. I like the storylines yeah. of that as well. I, you know, I just think that, yeah. to me especially, because Steve Smith's career, while I do think it was better than a Reggie Wayne's, and again, this is this is literally arguing over. They're all, in my opinion, they're all Hall of Famers. So it's just then arguing the first ballot or not. I just don't know if I'm comfortable saying yes, Steve Smith, first ballot Hall of Famer. Yes, Andre Johnson, first ballot Hall of Famer. The only one of those I feel like I'm comfortable saying first ballot Hall of Famer is Demarcus Ware. That's the only one. I do. Okay. And, and that's, now that's when you fair. when you go to Devin Hester, I am 100% Devin Hester should be in the Hall of Fame guy. Oh yeah, he should be a he should be a first ballot. If if next year he legitimately is, he needs to be first ballot. He's the he's the greatest at his position to ever play. Like how how can you say that's not you know like how could one make the argument that that's not first ballot material? You know. Yeah, you know, like I I don't know. I just like it's not even contested. Like he is the greatest return man in NFL history. And well, um, I know I completely there, agree. There's got to be something to be said for that. You know, it's like. It's like if you're the greatest kicker ever, like Anna Vinatieri, you know, like he needs to be a first ballot. I don't care if he was just a kicker, like he needs to be first ballot. He he holds all of the records and um, and literally changed. Like Anna Vinatieri definitely changed uh, the game in many ways. Like teams would play the Patriots differently based on uh, on that approach. I, I think it's a very similar. I, way to look at it. I think the uh, only thing I struggle guys. with Devin is I like to me he doesn't have to be first ballot. Devin belongs in because I think there is argument to be made about specialist and and these things. I, I 
I do believe firmly in my heart, and I know I'm a Bears fan, but Devin Hester belongs in the Hall of Fame. He, especially with the kicking game kind of going away and we're getting away from punts and and kickoff returns, I think those will eventually go out of the game, as you talked about Peyton Manning preserving the legacy and yeah. how the game needs to change. I, for, I Like, listen, Adam Vinatieri's first bout Hall of Famer, greatest kicker of all time. Devin Hester, greatest returner of all time, um, and I do think it's I do think it's an easy it's an easy argument to say he's the greatest return of all time. But I just think to myself, if he's not a first ballot, I'm totally comfortable with that. But Devin Hester belongs in the Hall of Fame. Maybe in one of those years, like where it's like, hey, this is a slightly down year. He's waited a couple years, get him in. Like he deserves to be, and he deserves to be recognized in Canton. Uh, but uh, you know, will I go out? Will I will I die on the hill that Devin Hester is a first ballot? No, but I'll die on the hill that he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, I'll I'll make that argument. I won't die on the hill, but I'll make the argument that he should yeah. be. I, I, that's just, you know, it's one slot for the entire Hall of Fame class. I'm not telling you know them to to have him beat out you know tons of other you know first ballot guys and deserving guys. But it's and just, maybe I feel year. that he impacted the game. Like yeah. you can't you can't say like Calvin Johnson was unbelievable. No question, first ballot Hall of Famer. Did he change the game of football? I, I, no, he didn't really change the game of football. Uh, you know, Drew Pearson, maybe because, you know, people like he was a, you know, huge deep threat and people started doing that a little bit more. So maybe you can make that argument. But like some of these guys that we've seen, like Bill Cowher, he didn't change the game of football. Like Devin Hester absolutely impacted NFL football the way we know it in, in a way that was yeah. tangible. You could, you could, you could literally see it no, and, and it. feel it. Um, so that that would be my argument for it, but you know, I you can make the the case. And either you way. make the All argument. Right, Mark, well, I would say this one last thing: you make the argument that he's also Calvin Johnson in his own way. He was so uniquely skilled, and he had the, he possessed the skill that you know Calvin Johnson, God given, you know, uh, uh, Devin Esther, God given unique skill. Think about how many great fast guys there have been in the NFL who who haven't even gotten close to the returns that Devin did. Because right. he had the vision, he had the shiftiness, the hips, and the speed. And it all. And the instinct and the swagger as well. I mean, he is the closest thing to Dion since Dion in that way. But Dion, you know, D- what separates Dion and why Dion is Dion and he's primetime is because he also played two ways and played the other sports and, you know, the baseball and the World Series and all that. But, no, I agree. He's a Hall of Famer. If he's not a first ballot, I'm, I'm okay. I, that, that's not going to kill me. I, but he belongs in the Hall of Fame. For, for us who have, you know, obviously paid close attention to the Bears and even just our generation in general probably know the answer, but I would say in about 15, 20 years, a great trivia question would be, well, even now for, for a lot of the younger fans, uh, what position was Devin Hester drafted as? Oh, I know. And, uh, you know, yeah, corner. Corner. Right? Yeah, he's a corner. So it's, and it's, uh, I wonder how many people would get that, especially the younger fans and stuff like that. I remember when they tried him out at corner a few times and he just got absolutely burned all day, oh, yeah. which is funny because he has speed, but uh, it's a lot more than just that where you're talking no, about that, I mean, you, corner. You, you're, you draft him as a corner knowing the Bears, as soon as they got him to camp, you're going to be our returner and yeah. you're going to play special teams and maybe we can use you as an offensive weapon. And I'll never forget being – in Chicago, driving down the highway the day after the Bears trade, or like a week after the Bears trade for Jay Cutler, and there was a billboard on 90 headed in downtown, so long Denver, go long Devin. And it was Devin Hester sprinting <laughs> down the field, yeah. and the idea of Jay Cutler throwing bombs to Devin Hester, that made, you know, 
13-year-old Mark, very, very confused sexually. Because I was like, I know <laughs> so I like from gr- six to midnight, I know man. I like girls, but I am very turned on right now. <laughs> it's, yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know how to segue from that. Don't. So let's just go just right go into our, to next topic. Uh, our, our Hall of Fame candidates. Um, I didn't choose Richard Dent, but I'm glad you pointed that out. Because honestly, he's... He's in the Hall. M- maybe... Maybe it was just that narrative I've had with me for the past decade, and then he just recently got in, and I just forgot. I think it was you know? four years for the, ago. For now. so long, I was like, "He is how is he not in the hall yet? How yeah. is he not in the hall yet?" And yeah, I just forgot that he was put in. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk about one player that's not currently in the hall. Obviously, they can't; they have to be eligible to be in the hall right now, and just ha- have haven't yeah. been uh, put in. Um, one player that deserves to be there. Um, I'll let you go first. Uh, Tony Baselli. It's easy for me. Ah, all right. I, you know what? Right. I mean, like, Tony is, especially now that Calvin's in, I think it's, it, and it opens the door for this idea that there needs to be, there needs to be the awareness and the acceptance of, of guys. He is the modern day Gale Sayers. He is the offensive lineman version of Gale Sayers or the offensive lineman of Calvin Johnson, wide receiver. He, the dude was absolutely elite for six straight years. Five-time Pro pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro. The only reason the Jaguars made it, you know, to the uh, the AFC Championship game in 96 and 99, Tony Baselli, any any guy who played in the NFL from the mid-90s to early 2000s will will stand by the fact that Tony Baselli should be a Hall of Famer. He'll eventually get in. He deserves to be in. And I do think, though, this is one of those things that I, I think that NFL players have to be aware of. Luke Keekley might have to deal with this. Listen, length and longevity plays a factor. Luke Keekley should be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. He will be one day. Uh, maybe like a like Patrick Willis at linebacker as well. But you might have to wait a couple years. Now, Tony Baselli's had to wait way too long, I think. But, you you know, and again, he has only six seasons. So it's really, really short compared to Luke Keekley and Patrick Wilson, those guys. But they're, they're not going to be first ballot guys like Calvin Johnson. Um, and they're gonna have to wait their turn, but Tony Baselli belongs in uh, my. Uh, I have a, a a second pick in case you had taken my first one, but what is yours? Uh, mine is Ken Anderson, uh-huh. and it's um it's long been perplexing. I would to agree me how he's not in. Um, the guy played sixteen years in the NFL, was ninety one and eighty one. He had a winning record with the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, in an era that played, was, you could literally smash quarterbacks to the ground. Yeah, you could absolutely destroy quarterbacks. It played in in the AFC North. Uh, well, obviously, wasn't the North at the time, but um, the Central. And you know he they had to he had to play against the you know seventy Steelers. Uh, you know some some great defenses consistently. Uh, the, you know, and then there was the, the there were some rivalries there, especially with the Super Bowl uh, with the 49ers. Um, but the point the point being is, you know, the guy's resume speaks for itself. Oh, like the stats aren't mind boggling. Right. Like he's got thirty three thousand yards passing. But for a guy of that era, that's actually pretty impressive. Hundred and ninety seven touchdowns, uh, career 60 percent completion percentage, which is also very impressive for a 70s quarterback. And um, on top of it all, you know, he has an MVP to his name. He has four Pro Bowls. He has a couple uh, or a first-team All-Pro. Uh, and he led the league in 
you know, pass completions and passer. He led the league in passer rating four times. Like the guy was as consistent of a quarterback as you could ask for. And he delivered for a team that really didn't see much success. He was a guy that put them over the top, not to mention uh, a Walter Payton man of the year award as well. I just think, you know, Kenny Anderson's got, got to be in there. I'm a little biased because I actually got to meet him and do an interview. And that was really cool. Because uh, he went to Augustana College, a Division three school in Rock Island, Illinois. Yeah, uh, I believe he's the only player to ever go there and go to the NFL. But it, it's just wild to me that he's not in the hall after all these years. And as the years go by, it becomes less and less likely, unfortunately, that he'll get put in. I thought with the Centennial class, maybe there was an option, but... Well, you know, they you know. do that They every year they have the, the Veterans Committee look at who slipped through the cracks. And so... He's yeah. certainly I, – I bet he's in every one of those discussions, and he may get his chance at some point in time. I would agree. I think I think if you compare him strictly to his era and what he accomplished in his era, you could make the argument he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. It is hard when you look at now his numbers compared to – I mean, you just said it. He has less He has less passing yards than Jay Cutler. But, like, you know what I mean? Right, it's, right. it's just one of those things like that. I, to me, my, my other heart pick, I don't think he'll ever get it. The numbers just weren't there completely, but a guy who is at the, he's a first ballot all time. And especially what he's going through now with ALS, Steve Mongo McMichael. He was the other one on that mm. Bears D line. Dent was, sure. the, I mean, uh, Hampton was the no brainer and Richard, uh, you know, uh, 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 Hampton was so otherworldly good. Like JJ Watt before JJ Watt, Dan Hampton. I mean, his size, his physicality, what he brought to the game and what he brought to the 46 defense. Dent was the was silent killer. I mean, the stats were incredible and just kind of fell through the cracks because he wasn't showy like Mongo, McMichael, and like Hampton were. But then Mongo, it's the same, it's a kind of the same argument. Does does Hampton and Dent, do they have their numbers if they didn't have Mongo also eating up double teams and having to deal with Mongo McMichael? And for a guy that was so just personality, leadership, also a two-time first-team All-Pro, two-time Pro Bowler, 92 and a half sacks from the defensive tackle position in his career, those are those are numbers that you can make the argument every year. And he might be one of those guys, long after he's gone, in 15, 20, 30 years, that like the 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 Veterans Committee finally makes a spot for Mongo McMichael with Hampton and with Dent and with Singletary as a part of that 46 defense that changed the NFL. It was the greatest. The, the Chicago Bears are consistently voted that 85 Bears team, the greatest team in NFL history, that he should be there right there with that defense and then Walter Payton on the offensive end uh, and Coach Dicka as well. So, you know, I, I, Mongo is a guy that, you know, obviously near and dear to my heart as a Bears fan, but his numbers, his numbers are just – Man, if he, if he would have got to 100 sacks as a D-tackle, maybe another All-Pro, another Pro Bowl or two, I think it would be no-brainer he'd already be in. And, it's, and it sucks that something like that could keep a guy like that out. But it is that it is, and you've got to be selective because it is the Hall of Fame, and you have to have, you have, to have the limitations. It has to be the elite of the elite. But yeah. um, the other one I would mention that, you know, you could argue I should have put Ken Anderson second and Roger Craig first. Uh-huh. Because the fact that Rod, like Roger Craig, that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. I mean, we talk, I, I talked about how, you know, impacting the game is a big part of it. Um, one of the first 
legitimate dual threat running backs uh, to pave the way for the Marshall Falks, the Ladanian Tomlinsons, etc. I mean, this guy was about as pure of a receiving and rushing back as you can get. Part of, you know, the 49ers dynasty. You can't tell the story of the NFL without Roger Craig. Uh, you know, over 13,000 all-purpose yards, nearly over seven, 70 touchdowns. I, I just don't see – it's crazy. I don't know how Roger Craig's not in there. Yeah. I mean, and, and he has that signature running style where it's literally his knees are, like, at his neck. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, how, did, how does a guy do high knees like that with all the pads on? Unbelievable. But, yeah, he, he was another one that's, uh, that really stood out to me. So, But those are all good options. You know, hopefully – We'll get to see those guys have their day uh, over the next several years or so. So, well, I'm looking forward and to, then to wrap up. I, I think to wrap up, the only good thing to say is we're getting reports now. I'm reading this off a of bar stool. <laughs> Zach Wilson in his first scrimmage uh, last night in front of fans and people were to, well, allowed to watch. It's coming out now that uh, he had it was he was 11 of 24 for 122 yards, two interceptions, seven. He had seven drives. Three points, two INTs, and four punts against that vaunted Jets defense. <laughs> you. Well, you know, it's... Uh, I don't like to make too much out of... Not ideal. I, I always say, I think Colin Coward says it, and I, and I love this from him. Not everything is something, or no, not not something is everything. Like, it's not the world. Don't make a mountain out of an anthill, yeah, a molehill. But everything is but something. But everything is yeah. something. You don't love, because yeah. this are the same reports you're hearing from Tua at this time last year, remember? And so you don't love it, but don't make him out. I'm not going to say that he's going to be a bust, but that's yeah. not nothing. You, you don't want to hear that if you're a Jets fan. I put more stock into the negative outcomes than I do the positive ones. For instance, the Justin Fields sidearm throw. Okay, that's great. Yeah. But, like, these guys can't get hit. Yeah. And they're they're not you're truly facing right. you know, like the pressure. Philosophy. But negative you know, a, a stat line like what you in just said. In a live said. scrimmage. In these, in, in, yes, in, in a live scrimmage in these, uh, you know, situations where they're still a little bit more favorable to the quarterback, um, you, you don't like to see that early on. But, look, I mean, he's a work in progress, too. They're, these are, these guys are rookies. Uh, Zach Wilson was a little bit more raw, out like similar to a Trey Lance prospect. So, yeah, like you said, I mean, it's something, uh, but we don't know yet what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that's not the trajectory you want to be going. Totally on. agree. But uh, but he he can certainly improve. And uh, look, we'll we'll be able to see some action this weekend, man. Can't Finally wait. get uh, an actual weekend of football outside of the one game we got last week. Now we get uh, several, so I'm looking forward to it. And um, we'll definitely have something to talk about. Uh, not everything, but something next week here <laughs> yeah. on the Football well Lounge. Done. So uh, be sure to stay tuned for that. We hope you enjoy the football this weekend. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll keep tabs on all the, the big news happening pretty soon. And in a couple weeks, we're going to start with review. our official. Hard Knocks Yeah, we got Hard, hard Knocks. We got, you know, Top 100 Players comes up in about a week or so. I love watching those. So I'm sure we'll get a, a you know, a fun reaction out of the Top 5 there. And then outside of that, we've got our AFC and NFC predictions coming up in just a couple weeks yeah. here so really looking forward to, to getting that out um and uh officially putting our predictions on the table once we see some action here over the next couple weeks but uh all of that to come for now we will sit and watch football hope you enjoy it and uh, we'll see you next week <laughs>